Welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises and make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps and I'm here with Elizabeth Helley and Tyler Hymanson. And we're done. We, we, you know, we've graduated from OSS. No more spy kids for us. We're spy adults. We're spy I mean, no. Adios, spy kids. Uh, actually, we're no longer kids, and, and now we're, we're, we're going into high school. Yeah. <laughs> spy high. I mean, spy no. High. That's a different spy idea. high? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, no more spy kids. We hope you guys enjoy those episodes, but we are ready for something new, and this week we're kicking off our uh, Bill and Ted coverage leading up to the brand new movie coming out in a couple weeks. Who's excited for Bill and Ted's I'm excited. adventure tonight? <laughs> Tyler, you're excited? I'm ex- I'm so excited I had to cut you off. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we hope you guys uh, uh, enjoy listening. If you want to reach out to us, Eliz, where can people do that? Yeah, you can send us an email to sequelrights at gmail.com or find us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sequel Rights. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it really helps us uh, climb up the rankings there so more people get to see our podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you don't use Apple Podcasts, if you listen somewhere else, tweet out something that you've liked from our last episode. Tweet out our 150th. It's an episode that we're super proud of. Uh, share it with your friends. Maybe get us some new listeners. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, and we love hearing from you. So thanks. Well, let's take a trip through time all the way back to 1989 for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way! Yes way! But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston! Who was Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? We are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. A force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. They're traveling through time. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the Iron Maiden. Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. <laughs> oh, all that amazing quotable dialogue. I love it. Oh, man. So damn quotable, this movie. It's like a bunch of bonus levels in Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> That's right. Carry the radish. <laughs> uh, well, so what is everybody's, uh, you know, this is the first movie, classic film, classic comedy, stoner comedy, slacker comedy. What is everyone's relationship with the Bill and Ted films? Especially the first one here. Yeah, I can start. Um, my teacher, Mr. Jenkins, for AP Euro, uh, sophomore year, uh, after the AP test, we yeah. would get to watch movies. And Bill and Ted was the first one that he put on. And then after that, we could watch any movie that you could link to Europe in any way. So we ended what? up watching things like Ferris Bueller because of the whole Donka Shane like number. <laughs> um, I don't remember some of the other movies. I think, I think we were able to watch. Um, anyways, we were able to watch all sorts of shenanigans because you could come up with like some way to link it to Europe. Um, but also at the same time where we could play board games. And so I guarantee you that I was probably more engrossed in like risk or monopoly than I was paying attention to the movie. So while I vaguely kind of remember this movie, not very much because I was probably less than half watching. Nice. Uh, I rented this movie for the first time from a blockbuster video. Uh, must have been some fateful night in some summer uh, in junior high. And I'm a, a self-proclaimed history nerd. And this movie uh, pushed all the buttons for me. It was very... I loved this movie uh, when I was probably... 10 or 11 uh and uh just i was thrilled by it and then kind of like it's not a movie that we owned and it's not a movie that um you know like when you rent something for blockbuster it's not like you're you know you, you get to see it all the time so it's not something that was like burned into my neurons like some other movies that we did own because i watched things ad nauseum um 
but he, afterwards, you know, he'd, I'd catch pieces on TV. So it's something that, thankfully, time was very kind to because I had that strong initial reaction to it and then didn't really revisit it all that much. Uh, so I just kind of had it, uh, this, the memory of it in its purest form. Yeah, you were just like, oh, man, the historical accur- accuracy in this movie is just like chef's kiss. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't even. I don't even need to take Euro AP history. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of my uh, one of my favorite video games, Mario's Time Machine, which was oh, yes. basically just like a sad excuse for like trivia and reading comprehension, like with Mario. But I was like, this is my favorite game, whereas my brother was playing like the real Mario, which took skill. <laughs> well, yes. I have a similar <laughs> relationship which with a much less educational game, Turtles in Time. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic. Uh, well, yeah, you know, uh, when we chose to do this, I almost thought I was going to come on here and be like, you guys, I have never seen the first movie. Or, oh, really? Or any of the movies. But, uh, you know, because, you know, it, and, and it's embarrassing because I have so many friends uh, and people – acquaintances too that have just like such an affinity for this movie and i hear people quoting it all the time um but when i watched it back i was like no i've seen this it just like hasn't been for a really long time and for whatever reason it never really got its hooks in me like so many other people i know um and so i kind of like it would you know it was one of those things where you're like rewatching it and you're like oh yeah i remember this scene and i remember this is gonna happen and everything um but it was fun, like rewatching it again, not like fully remembering exactly what was going to happen. And uh, I got to say, I had a really, really fun time. Um, it, it was, it was great. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, we'll have a lot more to say on that. But uh, so for me, it was almost a little bit like enjoying it for the first time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, um, I, I'm I'm ready to to dive in and watch all three of them coming here now. My favorite thing, and I think what I, I kind of glommed onto uh, when I first saw it, and I think it's especially pertinent now, and I think that really just gets to the charm of what this movie is, and there's something really powerful at the core of this movie. And it's at the very, very beginning where we see George Carlin comes out and he says, hey, it's 600 years in the future. Everything's great. You know, like, mm-hmm. and, like it's basically him saying, like, everything's going to be fine. Like the future is awesome. Like every, like, like we're, we're moving forward. Everything's great. These guys, like they make the, like everything that you're seeing now, everything that you hate about what's going on, like parents or whatever it is, like these slackers, these idiots. It's like, no, these guys, these guys are going to save the world. And, and it's what their, their shenanigans here are the things that are going to lead us to great things. And there's something so positive about that. Yeah. There's something so nice, especially you're talking about late eighties, early nineties. You're like right in the middle of Mad Max Terminators of all mm-hmm. this dystopia. The world is getting darker and bleaker and the future is completely uncertain. And there's something really wonderful about a time travel movie that starts off just being like, everything's going to get better. And like, it's certain it's going to happen. <laughs> but like these guys, they have to do this. They have to figure it out first. And I'm here to help them. And I love that so much. And I think that it comes through in this movie in a way that's special. Yeah. I love too in the beginning um, that uh, they, they chose a, they chose a really far future date. It's like 2688. So it's yeah. not like, it's not like with back to the future where everyone's going to be like, Oh, it's a few, you know, back to the future yeah. day or whatever. Like I, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we'll be long gone, but maybe by the time we reach 2688, I hope there's maybe people still around being like, oh my God, it's finally like Bill and Ted. It's, it, yeah, it's Bill and Ted year. Yeah. yeah. Is, the, is everything great like they said it was going to be? Like, you remember those old 2D movie stars, Keanu Reeves? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, there was that president 200 years back who modeled his facial sims after him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. If people remember this movie that far out, that, that would be amazing. But its strength is that you don't get distracted by that because they only show the one room. Yes. Yep. And this opening sequence is awesome. Like, uh, yeah, uh, this was like it starts off with this song, uh, which I am now obsessed with. I've been listening to this song like over and over again uh, called like Breakaway by Big Pig. And it's a cover uh, of the this R&B song called I Can't Break Away. Uh, I think it was by let me see. I pulled it up here. 
uh, yeah, Chuck Jackson uh, in 1973 wrote the song "I Can't Break Away," and this is a cover by Big Pig, this band from Australia, and uh, it's just so like. It's like a funky and it's got this like futuristic vibe and there's this weird like, yeah, like the ceiling opens and this weird cylinder thing is coming out and you're like, what the heck is going on? And, and it's just like, you know, it's a full opening title sequence. And I thought it was just a great way to kind of like immediately pull you into this movie of being like, what is happening here? Because uh, you have no idea. And this like great track is playing and there's great music throughout the entire soundtrack that we can talk about later. Yeah. And um, spoiler alert, all of the music in this is fucking awesome. Yeah. It's so great. It's so great. Um, and I, I just really love this opening um, a lot. Great way to start the movie. George Carlin. Yes. I mean, come on, come on. Who apparently was casted by accident. They were looking for somebody a little bit more serious. Sean Connery was thrown around and well, they wanted uh, it to be Eddie Van Halen originally, right? Yeah. That, that was the whole well, thing. That would have been sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny what you guys said about, um, you know, the positivity of this movie. And uh, I think, you know, like, yeah, so this movie came out in 1989. And we've gone back and watched a lot of these, like, comedies from the 80s or whatever. And, you know, at this point, I'm expecting to watch an older movie like this and being just like, Oh my God, I can't believe they said that. And there's so many things and it's like, Oh geez, they can't ever do this. And I, there is one, there is one moment in this movie like that. But for the most part, I was very impressed that there is not a lot where I would, I feel like I would, you know, watch it nowadays and be like, Ooh God, I can't believe, you know, they got away with that. Something like that back in the day. Uh, I just I I thought it was refreshing to kind of be like, oh, you know, we watched all these ter- you know, movies with these awful things like meatballs or whatever and it's like, no, they could have made they could have like done it right and made a movie that didn't have all that problematic stuff. Uh and they did it uh with Bill and Ted and then you know, maybe it's part of why people enjoy going back and watching this movie a lot. I think so. I think at the core of this movie is this kind of this unrelenting positivity yeah. and kindness. Like the like there's nothing um you know from an 88 movie about two dudes who only care about their band yeah. and Eddie Van Halen. The movie is surprisingly free of toxic masculinity. Yeah, they could have been spout, like their entire time they could have been spouting off horrible dialogue and just saying mean things and they're just like Yeah. Yeah, they're just they're they're saying just like you know stuff that sounds stupid, but it's just and there's nice. and, and there's and there's a full <laughs> subplot about about you know Alex Winter's stepmom and everything else, and like they they play it off in such a way where yes, it's the cheap teen joke, but like it's almost becomes above it. Like there's even an like a Oedipal complex <laughs> yeah, joke thrown yeah. out with with Sigmund Freud on the stage. It really like, toes the line, yeah. It really does, yeah. And 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 in a way that a movie today that was trying to emulate that style of comedy, that nostalgic thing, would probably fail at doing such a good job as this movie that was made in that time does. It is because there was so many times along the way where I thought I knew where something was going and what was going to happen and how it was going to turn out based on all the tropes and everything I've seen over the years. And then it didn't go that way or it took the higher road. And it was like kind of a pleasant surprise. Like you already talked about the mom, but like she's not Stifler's mom, you know, like it's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, she's above it and like it's hinted at. But even Keanu Reeves, when he's kind of like, uh, you know, making fun of Alex Winter about it, it doesn't go all the way to like, oh, I'm going to like F your mind. It just goes to <laughs> yeah. like, oh, remember when, you know, I wanted to ask her to prom? Remember when she was a senior? Yeah. Like he's so only not, doing like, it full on, like, you know. Yeah, he's only doing it the way that you push your friend's buttons of just yeah. like, of just like he's only doing it because you know it annoys him so much. Yeah, it's not like straight up objectifying. <laughs> no, her. not at all. He's not talking about her body parts. They look at her when she bends over, but like even that is so like mild compared oh, yeah. to anything you'd expect. Well, yeah, and like the more horrible, horrifying is when his dad comes in and he's yeah. just like, oh, like, we're in love. Like, that was, get out. Yeah. That was the most terrifying moment when the dad's like, why don't you good boys go have some fun somewhere? And then Here's he, like, closes the, he closes the door, like, all creepy. Yeah. <laughs> that was the that, that, darkest that moment. That does lead, myself, lead me to my favorite line in this entire movie because okay. the next scene is, is Bill and Ted hanging outside the front of the Circle K. And I don't know about you guys, 
but I don't know if you and your friends in high school would hang out inside of, in front of a convenience store, but me and my friends certainly did. And um, they're literally standing outside asking people of like, yeah, they said the Mong- that lady in the car over there said the Mongols invaded in 1084. Which is <laughs> so – and I, I also had the thought while watching this, like we'll get to the line in a second, of like kids watching this today will be so confused of like why didn't they just Google this? And it's like, well, you <laughs> <Yeah>. couldn't. <laughs> Like and the library was closed. Well, you see so, them like, carrying all those big books. Stack of yeah, books. Exactly. So they never looked at them. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when the the time machine first lands, uh, Ted is is the utterance that is one of my favorite things, and I've quoted often. There are strange things afoot at the Circle K. I, ha- I have the clip if you want to hear it. Oh, oh yes, please. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> uh I don't, well you had circle k's elis i imagine uh yeah we didn't have there wasn't one in the path between like school and where we lived it was usually uh starbucks or more often baskin robbins because we knew a dude yeah. that worked there fair enough <laughs> uh yeah in my mind i still can i don't even think it's still there but there's a circle k on green valley parkway that uh, even as I was watching this movie, I was like, this is where this is happening. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, I mean, I, I pulled a bunch of clips from this movie for sure, but I could have pulled like almost every line. The, the, the line readings by, you know, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are so amazing. Uh, and I just love that. Like, yeah, you know, a lot of times where they could have come back with some sm- snarky remark or whatever, they usually just laugh and go like, Oh yeah, man. Awesome. <laughs> well, and I don't, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there was any actual like weed or booze really shown. No, they that... have they they have beer in the Wild West. Oh, oh okay. yeah, the Wild West. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, yeah. And they're like they're like yeah, but like that's it. Like it's not yeah. like it's not like let's get hammered. It's just like they get a beer and they're like we need to remember this play. But that's yeah, why. <laughs> and they're they're like I I think a lot of people who haven't seen this or don't remember seeing it assume that it's a stoner thing. Yeah, and it's yeah. like no, they're just like you know that's. Just, that's just how it was. Well, that, that, yeah, that's why. That's why. That's why I wanted to say both at the beginning because it does end up on a lot of like best stoner movie lists. Um, but I also was like, it's just like they're just slackers. They're like a slacker group of guys. You know? As yeah. as somebody who did not really smoke or drink in high school and had a Mormon best friend, that we were a lot like these two dudes. Like, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, you're stoned all the time. And I'm like, no. Like, like, I resonate with this, like, with this high school experience so much. <laughs> well, uh, there, the San Dimas thing, okay, so, yeah. like, San Dimas is the home of Raging Waters. It's yes. where the 210 meets the 57 in San Dimas. That's Raging Waters. That's the radio ad. Everybody, or the commercial, too. Everybody knows. Um, I, I lived about, you know, 40 minutes from San Dimas in bad, bad traffic or medium traffic and L- in normal LA traffic. Yeah. In, <laughs> in junior high, when, if you got two pause awards, cause we were the Kramer wildcats or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but if you got two pause awards, so you could win for either like physical fitness, I think like activities, leadership, citizenship, and your grades or whatever. So I think all you had to do is get two or three, uh, whatever it was, you got a free trip to Raging Waters at the end of the year. And it was like the whole thing. So, and, and when I hear, uh, I have other friends that I met in college that lived even closer there and going to Raging Waters was like a thing. So they don't call it Raging Waters in the movie. They call it Waterloo, Waterloo. so they could do the Napoleon <laughs> thing. But and the Mamma Mia thing. Yes. But it totally it totally it's Raging Waters, San Dimas, all that stuff. Uh even though I think this movie was like pretty much completely filmed in Arizona. Yeah. But um it's yeah, it's such a good of growing up in this this area, the frame of reference that they have is like matches. Like when he goes to the Wild West, and the first thing he says is, "Whoa, this looks like Frontierland." And I was like, "Oh, that's totally because when you grow up in that area, everything is Disneyland." Yeah. I think, like, yeah. yeah, totally. I think that if was you my... grow up in Orange County or that part of LA County or the part of Inland Empire where you can go to Disneyland all the time. Everything is Disneyland, Raging Waters, Knott's Water. Berry Farm. 
So it's like he could have also said, "Oh, it looks like Knott's Berry Farm Ghost Town." Like I, you know, that just <laughs> yeah, that's looks like Frontierland. But yeah, that's oh, like these my guys only frame of you. reference. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> I think that was. I would have probably said the same thing. <laughs> I think that was my favorite line when he's like, "Yeah, but here you can get shot." <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know this movie was shot in Arizona, but that makes sense as to why that Circle K feels like it was right out of my hometown. <laughs> Mojave Desert nonsense. I'm so glad, Eliz, that you came on here to uh, drop some San Dimas knowledge because I was like, you know, I'm not from uh, California originally, so I was like, what's the big deal with San Dimas? San, that's what San Dimas <laughs> is. It's where yep. the 210 meets the 57, home of Raging Waters. Everybody knows that. I, I And the bowling alley exterior when Napoleon gets thrown out is peak San Dimas. It definitely looks <laughs> like, it, it, like I love all of that. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, and um, the the football kid that yells out uh, instead of doing a speech, he just yells out "San Dimas High School Football Rules." Like apparently that's a famous line, but I already knew that was like the name of the first Atari's. Atari's, album. yes, yes, yeah. yeah so yeah. I knew I knew about that, but I kind of forgot that it came from this movie. So I have that clip as well, but we'll play it later. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the, lots of things from this movie have lived well beyond. Uh, yeah, I do it's, think it's like Oh, go ahead, Justin. Oh, I was going to say I think the San Dimas High School Football Rules is the thing that I hear the most often. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, all I think the, the time. <laughs> the Atari's album is the thing that really kind of solidified that at least for our generation. Yeah. But that that moment where that comes from and just kind of getting back to like the pureness of this movie is just the the, the premise of it is completely insane. Mm-hmm. But the thing that it leads up to is like every person of that age's dream of a presentation in front of the entire school where you just absolutely crush it where you just like where you're just like this is who i am this is what like like i put on this amazing thing like and and it's in front of the whole school it's like it's that ultimate fantasy of like because there's no ap history final that takes place in no. the assembly room in front of everybody <laughs> with that would be terrible lights lights <laughs> audio. So oh there's stage tech yeah it's yeah. amazing uh, but it, it it's one of those things that like that's what you but that's what you want like that's the fantasy right yeah. I think everybody has has that type of thing of it's just like where you go up in front of your entire school and just fucking crush it and and I I love that they kind of do it in their way where they're themselves like they don't there's not a character arc for them really yeah. in this movie they don't actually like, learn anything. <laughs> well, we can talk about that, but go yeah. ahead, Tyler. Well, I, I think I think that there, that there is like that that they do learn things about boundaries about the world, but they are really kind and really nice to each other, and like yeah. it is it is that core that it, it, like seems like that's one of the things that Rufus is trying to protect of just allowing them to be like you go hey go do you know you you take the time machine do whatever you want. But I, I think that it's also just why this movie has endured so long because they're just they're just sweethearts. Mm-hmm. They're sweethearts. They always talk at the same time. They say funny stuff. It's great. Yep. They they they. I I love um like there's another thing I love about this movie is they're like there's all these like kind of like absurd touches throughout that you know I, I kind of like the absurd stuff like um. You know, every time, uh, every time this happens in the movie, excellent. <laughs> anytime they do like the air guitar, it's got like a little guitar thing that plays along with them, and I just think that's a really funny touch that like they could yep. have just totally not even done, and it just makes that those every time those moments happen even funnier to me. <laughs> so, was this before, or after Beavis and Butthead? Before or, or um, what's the other one? The the movie one. Uh, Wayne's World. Oh, before as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because some of the things I realized, like the guitar thing, I guess I thought that was from Wayne's World. Wayne's World was, beyond. Five, was five years after this. Wayne's World is 1992. So okay. There's even another yeah. Bill and Ted okay. movie in between that. <laughs> so they're all after. Okay. Yeah. This is like I feel like the first Wayne's World skit could have happened before that. But, oh yeah, but the uh, movie, not yeah. the movie. Okay. Got it. Yeah, and uh, you know. This is like music is like all over this movie. There's a ton of musicians in the cast and the whole thing is that, you know, they're in this band Wild Stallions and it's their music that brings the world into peace and like, you know, they're like these huge, you know, 
stars in the future or whatever. And uh, I think that's another reason why this movie endures too, because of the music in the movie and just the connection to music in general and people that are, you know, like really into music are just like also into this movie, I think. Um, and the soundtrack is amazing. You know, yeah, it came out in 1989 and it's like got, you know, it's kind of like, it feels like the last gasp of like these eighties movies where they have, you know, uh, all this kind of like glam rock soundtrack and a bunch of the songs like written just for the movie and, and, um, just amazing, like hard rock tracks throughout, uh, the two heads are better than one. Uh, Tyler, what's going on over there? I, I see okay, so I was just researching when the first Wayne's World skit was, and then I researched when Bill and Ted was released. The first Wayne's World skit was February 18th, 1989. Wayne's World was released February 17th, 1989. Whoa. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they, li- they literally released two days of each other, but the movie had been made the complete year before. Wow. I guess Lauren was doing it differently back then. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's crazy to me that like they they literally came into the world two day, within two days of each other. You're talking about the Wayne's World movie and this? No, 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 no. The first time that Wayne's World appeared on SNL. Oh, I see. The well, first time that there was a Wayne's World skit was this. It was the day before Bill and Ted premiered. Yeah, well, that's curious. Oh, oh, oh okay. Because I mean, yeah, well. Wayne's World is more making fun of the like public access thing. Yeah. Sure, right? sure, sure. So, yeah. But like, yeah, like I, I just can't believe that like the, the, it was that close in the same yeah. year. Well, and I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah, Wikipedia did say this was supposed to come out in 1988, and then you know didn't yeah. make it out till 89. So who knows? Who knows what information was going around? But that that that's uh that's pretty crazy because I feel that's like crazy. Yeah, Bill and Ted definitely feel like the prototype for those guys. Yeah. Wow, I just blew my own mind. fireworks uh and and, you know there's something really delightful about keanu reeves performance in this movie and alex winter like there's a real friendship between them there's real chemistry i i don't know if you guys read that there you know there's an urban legend that they uh were actually cast for the opposite roles and then decided to swap them uh, the, the writers are basically like, uh, actually, like we should invert these, and they're like, oh, we already decided that. Like, let's <laughs> let's do that. That's crazy. I feel like Alex Winter gets a lot of the best lines in the movie. He does. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he's great. Um, and yeah, the chemistry between those two guys is amazing, and it's it's no wonder that you know that friendship has endured. All the way to you know manifesting this third movie that's coming out in a, in a couple weeks. I can see though why maybe people like it's totally different watching it now with Keanu being who he is, mm-hmm. but yeah. I can see maybe why people who were seeing him for the first time in that in this didn't like him. Maybe like I I like it in retrospect he's very charming and very cute and everything, but like I could see why like people like my mom would be like, oh, that guy's, you know, like... He's stupid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a dumb dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's so. how he is in real life, probably. <laughs> yeah. But, no, he's very cute. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it a lot, but anything that is problematic in this movie, I'm really... made me really excited to see um, the new one. Because yeah. now that they're in charge and they're big names and they can, you know, exert their opinions, I think maybe some of those things will be fixed. Yeah, I, I also love, like, I mean, I don't want to talk about the, the movie that's coming up too much before we get through all this. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll pivot us and shepherd us towards the historical journey that these guys go through. <laughs> um, at the time, loved the idea of hopping through history. Uh in practice, rewatching it before this episode, it's kind of insane how they limit these people. Well, they don't speak English, <laughs> so they're basically cartoon characters. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're in each they're in each time period for such a short amount of time. I mean, the the amount of stuff that they cram into this movie for what is was crazy probably a really low budget is nuts. Uh, yes. There's you know yeah they do all the time jumping and then there's a whole sequence in the pe- in the present and it's just it's crazy. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy uh with this movie in that 
they they go through all of these like the, the historical figures that they choose are admirable. You have Socrates or Socrates, Socrates, uh, Socrates, which is one of the funniest. Socrates things in the Johnson, world. <laughs> Socrates Johnson. You know, Billy the Kids, eh. but you know, you get Joan of Arc in there, and there's 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 also reports I've read where there's other people here like Charlemagne and Babe Ruth and whatever are supposed to be in here, um, but. It, it is interesting. Like Joan of Arc is an interesting inclusion, uh, but what they allow her to do is run an aerobics class in a mall. Yeah, I think Joan of Arc kind of got short shrift here. Among she does. She absolutely does. She comes in late. Her mall scene is kind of lame, and I yeah. yeah, um, she doesn't get as good of a moment as everybody else in the final presentation. If- only woman like i would have liked to see you know at least yes. one other famous woman in history yeah. be uh referenced um or have her be like what the fuck like have give her a larger moment than she's gonna go back to france and, ha- and run an aerobics class yeah <laughs> and the um beethoven i thought was kind of a weird odd man out too because although he is a historical figure like it's more the arts you know, like I seemed like they were going more for like straight historical history yeah, class, yeah, yeah. which like, yes, Beethoven would probably would have been a sidebar in that part of the history book, but he probably wouldn't be the whole chapter, you know? But he was, as they said, extra credit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they did that when they had bonus time that they didn't right. have. You're right. You're right. That's true. They were probably like, what stores do we have at the mall we're going to film at? Uh, there's well, a music and I, store. And I think that, that, that if you, it, the, the movie actually... <laughs> It's it's a really interesting thing now that I'm thinking about it because plot wise, like the movie should live and die in terms of what historical figures that they plucked out of history and what crazy antics that they get up to in the present day. But the movie isn't defined by that. The movie is defined yeah. by Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves' friendship and performance. Like the historical frolics and antics are an aside, really. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day. And, you know, yes, you remember Napoleon at the water park or Napoleon eating a bunch of ice cream. Um, and and uh, my favorite, actually, let, let's, I will take a, let's take a pause. <laughs> what is your favorite historical figure mall scene in this movie? Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll yeah. start with mine. Mine is Genghis Khan in the sporting goods store. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Because <laughs> it's just like, because it, it gets into the uh, Discovery Channel producer reality show brain. It's just like, what if Genghis Khan had an aluminum baseball bat? Like, <laughs> oh, he'd fuck dudes up. <laughs> yeah, I did. I think I liked the uh, Socrates and Billy the Kid trying to pick up. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the, the Freud court. ruined it. It's yeah, really yeah, he yeah. shows up with a hot dog on a stick. It's, I mean, that's yeah. really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. But I honestly, I honestly enjoyed the uh, totally like shitting on Napoleon in this movie. Uh, I thought all of the yes. scenes, all of the scenes where it's like. He and he gets he gets like saddled with um is it Ted's brother? Yeah, Deacon. Yeah, yeah he, Deacon. He gets saddled with Ted's little brother and a bunch of kids. <laughs> and he you know, so he he being Napoleon, you know, he also is there looking like a kid himself. And I thought it was just so funny that he was just like along for all these kid things and then yeah, he gets that moment at the water park and I just thought him just being a little shit in the, in the present day was really funny. <laughs> Wait, let's what, talk what, about Deacon really quick, though. Oh, I love Deacon. Yeah, let's talk yeah, about Deacon. Deacon. Well, I thought it was really funny how he said almost nothing the entire time that Bill and Ted were ordering him around. He was just like, yeah. he said nothing. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's so funny because I looked him up for Child Star Chicken and he looks exactly the same. Like, he, <laughs> he really like has the same exact face that he has in the movie. But he's a um, he's been a casting director and a producer. Um uh, and he's worked nice. on such um, interesting shows uh, that I may or may not have heard of before, such as Guinness World Records Gone Wild producer, um, Fashion Strip producer. Don't know what that was. Those all sound like uh, <laughs> sketchy products. Yeah, shows that you know, like Trading Spaces Casting, American Gladiators, Bachelorette, Bachelor. Um, 
Big Brother, etc. But also things that you might not have heard of, like The Singing Office or Man versus Vegas. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler's, uh, Tyler's. I got nothing. Uh, I got nothing. Story. There was a show called <laughs> Ball Breakers. Um, Mr. Romance, and also uh, if if you remember, this was a pretty famous one, The Swan, the one with the plastic surgery that. Yeah, he was the producer oh, of that. Good. So I don't know. He lives <laughs> in Woodland Hills. You can request a quote on Production Hub. Oh, there you oh, go. we should request a quote. Yeah. Um, For I do the love point. the scene in the movie where they go to his little league game and they're talking to him through the fence. Oh yeah. And they're like, "Where's Napoleon?" And they're like, "I ditched him." And they're like, "What? You can't ditch him? He's like, uh, he's lost in time and blah blah blah." And he's like, "He was a dick." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was classic little brother, being a little brother myself. Yeah, and it's not particularly important how Napoleon made his way to Waterloo. No. Uh, how he paid for it, how he got the swimsuit no, and the he gap. doesn't pay. He sneaks in yeah, with the, he sneaks with the in mom a, who's buying uh, tickets for 11 kids. Uh, okay, the 11th okay. child is Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, He was wearing his like old-timey undergarments. Um, and it's just really fun. Yeah, I just, every time, I, I, all those cutaway scenes, I thought they were really great. Like him just being a total dick at the at the bowling alley to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like yelling <laughs> random things in French. Like, so funny. <laughs> I don't know. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I was, I was a fan of all of that. I, so, yeah, it's a thing where the premise of the movie gets bored with its own premise. Like it literally like, oh, we're going to go through history. Like if you if you pitch the idea of this movie to your friend and like uh, it's these two, two like stoner buddies, they go through history with a magic phone booth and all this other stuff happens. It's like that part of the movie is literally 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes by really um, fast. Yeah. Well, and they, you know, many movies deal with time uh some we've discussed some we haven't traveling through time this one starts out pretty standard and you know you get the feeling that they're gonna do captain america and take everybody back to the exact point after so they're not worried (laughs) about that but then very late in the game they introduce the idea where if you think about something and promise yourself you're going to do it two days later, then that <laughs> item is amazing. Appears. Yeah. And that that's not as commonly seen in, in time travel pop culture. I don't think, um, I think that, I think it's really hard to do without these type of protagonists <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they're so affable and so lovable. And it's completely within their character to completely forget to do the thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I was worried about. I kept thinking, like, for me, it was like, you know, Chekhov's pair of keys. Because I was like, <laughs> is this going to come back at the end? And they're going to be like, oh, no, we forgot the key to do the thing. But it wasn't. A thing. It's like, it's it, like, they're such lovable losers that it <laughs> is a actual delight that when they make their own prophecy, that they <laughs> follow through on it. Yeah. And this is the magic of the movie in that they, like, when Keanu Reeves says, oh, we got to remember a trash can, and then a trash can falls on top of him, <laughs> yeah. you're still happy that he remembered. Yeah. You're like, yeah! Like, you're rooting for him because they, they're just so harmless. They just they really want him to do something. Yeah, and they read that note that they, like, type to themselves in the, yeah, in the police the office. Oh, by the way, bro, duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Because oh, they're really the most prototypical lovable losers. Mm-hmm. It's so hard though, because then you're like, wait, but aren't they creating like an infinite loop of like where does thought begin? And you know, then my brain starts crashing. I just can't think about it. That Bill and Ted I, I aren't think, thinking about I think, it. <laughs> I think that there's there is a higher level response to that question, and that <laughs> and that they are so they're just chill bros right exactly and so that their minds do not melt by those 
paradoxes. So they travel through time. They do all of those things. And because they are able to just be like, I don't know, like whatever, bro. Like that is why they are they they ascend to be the greatest. Yeah. Because they, they do not get <laughs> caught up by all of those things. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. My One of my roommates was watching uh, over the weekend Watchmen. And what came first, the chicken or the egg? Turns yep. out it was both. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. It's the same as Keanu Reeves' keys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> same guy. Oh, concept. man. I want to rewatch it now. Oh, um, so good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I think that this movie is fascinating in a way that everybody remembers the plot, but everybody has an emotional, nostalgic tether to it mm-hmm. that isn't the plot, really. Like, and, and rewatching it really made me kind of wrestle with that and like, okay. Yeah, I thought it was a time travel history movie, but no, it's really like a male friendship movie. Yeah. I do think that I think I think you're hitting on like the core of why this is so popular because I feel like it's just like the whole time you feel like, "Oh, I'm just having a fun hang with these people." And yeah. these people are so fun, and then the moments that happen make you, you know, maybe think of your friends and what you the the stupid shit you do with your friends and and uh i think that goes a long way for creating yeah helping to create that emotional connection with people have yeah. and carry the movie into the future no yeah it's like everybody had this friend i guess mm-hmm. yeah um well this sort of brings us we already alluded to the one like problematic thing big problematic scene and it was weird because what happens is that he thinks Ted has been killed and so he's kind of upset but he didn't really seem that upset to me at first like <laughs> you know I would have I would have expected him to go crazy on everybody you know but he just kind of is like eh. and then he gets more upset and it was believable but then when Keanu Reeves turns out to be alive they hug each other and it's nice but then they're like they say the f word to be like we're not you know we're not gay or whatever which uh, of course cheapens it a little bit, but I mean, high school guys are going to be like that. I mean, I think there was a better way to show that they were uncomfortable with the physical intimacy right. and the heightened uh, fear in that moment that, you know, maybe he was dead. But that, that being said, yeah, in 89, that's for, what I was saying yeah. for, for that yeah. to be a, a used sparingly and used in a like it seemed like that they were using it for the screenwriters i'm sure thought they were using it for a reason yeah like i mean i i that's a word that i said in junior high yeah i'm not faulting the movie because i guess that was definitely the parlance of the time and how high school students then would have talked but you know, by today's standards, it was so easy to just not say that, to just have them be like, oh, uh, 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 you know, like just be awkward. And it's the same idea. I think it's, I think that's, that's absolutely true. And I think that we experienced that with Bring It On, where they're, the first Bring It On movie had uh, moments that were an attempt to be accurate to how these characters at this age would talk. Mm-hmm. And that movie was less egregious because of it. Like, I think that it's felt like there was in character. And then as those movies became more contrived and, and a little bit more forced, that that type of language, when it was coming out of a screenwriter's mouth, became more and more egregious because it just didn't feel like they were really going for that realism. And so, like, even when we're talking about Bring It On, which is 99, is that correct, or 2000? Um, that 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 uses the F word. Yeah, that's eleven years. That's that's eleven years later. Yeah, it has the the thing of like that's how I mean at that time we we used that word. I'm sure that yeah. we all did at some point. Um, and uh, that's not great. But in this movie in '89, in that moon when they did it, it 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 didn't. Tr- it didn't trigger me in a way that I was like, okay, like 
like I, I felt like that that was true to the character yeah. more than a screenwriter trying to force it, I suppose. Sure. It's just kind of like an unfortunate footnote at this point. You don't, it doesn't ruin the movie. You're not like, it's bad. It's just kind of like, eh, you know, if you're going to show this on TBS or something now, that's probably going to get bleeped out, you know, or spliced out, but sure. that, it's fine. You know, whatever. Um, that's one reason why I'm excited to see the modern day uh, sequel that's going to come out soon because I bet you that they're going to double down on like bro man love would be my guess. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, like it's a different era. This is more, you know, normalized and celebrated. And so I think that's what we're going to get, but we'll see. Just a prediction. Um, a couple of other things. I mean, we kind of talked about how Joan of Arc is not the best historical figure, um, but. And then the mom thing is a little bit, you know, creepy, but not how they do it. They execute it very well and very, you know, cute. Um, it's more just like the culture of today that makes you look at it weird, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as, you know, any other representation of women is, you know, whatever. But uh, the princesses are not offensive. Um they're just a little bit thin, uh, the character and in person, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like their whole thing is that like, they're going to be forced married off and they actually like them because they gave them more attention than any yeah. other person in that time. And, but it is like, okay, well now they're here. Like, let's make out. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also like, they don't full on go at it either. It's kind of just like a very chaste, yeah make out and then you know you get the impression that if they were like i want to leave i don't like you anymore that that bill and ted would let them walk away yeah yeah yeah. and and, and that's the thing it's like and 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 more movies need to deal with this in that they're the same age (laughs) yeah where it's like oh like oh these noble women of court and it's like yes well these also dumbass teenagers they're the same age yeah yeah not the yeah. royal ugly dudes right yeah <laughs> yeah so i mean i already saw the poster for the new one so i think we're gonna get more female characters and so uh, that's another thing i'm excited to see but nice. it does involve their daughters I yes do know that. exactly mm-hmm. so anyway the the last prop semi-problematic thing that i want to talk about that you mentioned kind of is that is there really a character arc for them and i think that i started kind of getting annoyed like about two-thirds of the way through the movie because everything is working out for Mm -hmm. them and i was kind of feeling like is this just white dudes failing upward you know because that's not a thing that is so exciting to me and most of society anymore um but i think that this movie subverted my expectations for the narrative because the end i thought they were just gonna you know bring all the guys and everything was gonna work out and they were gonna show all of them and they were gonna get an a but when they actually do the presentation um it's it shows that they really did learn something from these people i mean it happened off screen so that it's kind of a surprise at the end um so maybe i would have liked to see more of that throughout but i get why they wanted it to be like shot you know oh my gosh they really did learn from these people um but that's that's what made me not feel like it was a failing upwards thing because Mm -hmm. they they did seem to actually take lessons away from most of the historical figures. I, I think that that's one of the things that's more powerful about the movie in that it's not, that moment's not forced. It's like, hey, we had these experiences. We we spent these time, this time with these historical figures and we grew just through the experience of trying new things, being around different people, giving other people a chance that we were rejecting previously. Um, historically, whether it be books or whatever it is, um, there's something really nice about it. Like, and I, and I, I, I totally understand what you're saying that like, there was a real danger of white dudes failing up and that they do do a good job of them learning. And, and the number one thing is, you know, in the beginning of the movie, they they're trying to make and they're arguing about you know like do we need to learn to play the instruments do we need good instruments right. or do we need um, 
<laughs> Van Halen. Yeah, what is how are we going to find success? And you know, that it was cute and funny, but when it got to the end and we see that they're back in that position, I was like, "Oh no, are they going to be able to magically play now?" You know, because you know that their music changes the world because you've mm-hmm. yep. told that by the future people so I'm like, "Ugh, are they going to know how to magically play?" That's so annoying to me, you know, but they look at each other and they're actually like you know what? It's time that we really like buckle down. Yeah, like and learn I'm not. Fulfill- I was like, I'm not what? fulfilled by this. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like we went through this whole thing, and nothing changed. Like yeah. it feels like that we're back in the same spot. Like we didn't get the thing that we wanted. Yeah, I, I that's that was my favorite, you know, lesson that they learned, yeah. and that, that that if if it hadn't had that moment, it would have cheapened so much of the rest of the movie for me. Yep. I love too that the the princesses end up being like they're an important part of the band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then, and then when they're all playing the instruments at the end, it's just like bing, bang, ding, yeah. And they're still like, yeah, so funny. And like, yeah, and George Carlin's so good, deadpanning to the camera, being like, "These fucking people." Uh, I swear yeah. they get better, you guys, or whatever. He's yeah, like, yeah. No, but like that's that's the thing that's really. I have a greater appreciation for it now, even from what you just said, Elis, where it's like, I like a, a movie, especially in this time, and especially now in 2020, rewatching it, that's like, the future's going to be okay. Right? Like, like, the, like we're, we're getting better. Like, we're, it's going to be okay. And that this movie didn't say we're going to be okay because white dudes are going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it, it does say that, but it doesn't give these guys a free pass, even though they have a full chosen one narrative. Mm-hmm. They have a whole movie where they go through a whole thing. And at the end of it, there's that key scene where they're just like, I'm unfulfilled by that. Like, I don't, I still don't feel like we did the things that we need to do yeah. and like, and like, and the things that we still feel like, and their desires are still small and dumb <laughs> to do a cool video, <laughs> yeah. a cool video. <laughs> but it's what they want. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's still not there. And I, I think that there's just something really wonderful about it in a way that uh, I, it makes me mad at other movies. Yeah, that's a good it, point. It really makes me mad at other movies because it's so satisfying and it's so crowd pleasing. Like, like this movie doesn't make you feel bad. This movie makes you feel great. Mm-hmm. And what it leaves you with is be better to people and work hard. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is way more universal than any other comedy from this time, any other thing. And I feel like that's why it has so much staying power. But at the same time, it's one of those things that's just like <sighs> there's something that about the journey that Bill and Ted go through that gives gravity to George Carlin at the top of this movie saying, hey, we're here in 2600 and things are great. Yeah. yeah. And that makes me hopeful, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So do you have a rating? Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah. How many? Ooh, hold on. Uh, give me two <laughs> seconds. Give me two seconds. I'm I if behind the scenes, I am looking up the size the sizes of Circle K soft drinks because <laughs> oh they're very God. because they're very specific. Uh, but okay, so how many ounces of Circle K uh, fountain sodas would you give? <laughs> so complicated. That doesn't make any sense because eight <laughs> ounces is only like you know a cup. Okay, <laughs> you can do better than this. They don't even do they even drink soda in the movie? Circle K. Uh, okay, how <laughs> how many? Okay, we'll do it this way. How many tickets to Waterloo there would you, you buy go. your family? I like this better, yes. Yeah. Um. Reminder of the lady in the movie bought 11. <laughs> <laughs> the spinal tap number, yeah. 
I oh I'm 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 stuck kind of between seven and eight, honestly. Um I'm gonna go with seven. Um I did like it, but I don't know. I just didn't um it wasn't like a rip roaring time for me. Like I feel like it is for everybody else. Um, I don't know. I just didn't feel like I was as into it as most people are. It's certainly Um, dated at this point. Yeah. And um, I don't know, maybe I'm just such a nerd that I'm like, I wanted more history and more time travel and more (laughs) details, you know, but I don't know. Um, But, but I did like it. I did. Uh, So I'll give it seven passes to Waterloo. Uh, I am also going to give it seven. Uh, I bought my seven children, seven tickets to, uh, Waterloo. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think this is a really fun movie. Um, I, I also don't have the, like, you know, crazy nostalgic connection to this. So maybe if I did, I would be rating it even higher, but I still think that this is a fun movie to go back and watch. Um, especially if you're getting ready for the new movie coming out, uh, you won't be disappointed watching this one. And I think a lot of like what Tyler talked about, um, you know, yeah, the, the, the positivity of this movie and, um, being a guy myself, like the male friendship in this movie, uh, just hanging out with your friends is something that I, you know, relate with a lot and, uh, and had a really fun time with. I totally agree with your guys's assessment, but I'm going to be giving it nine oh! tickets to Waterloo. Wow. I, I was defeated. You won the war. <laughs> I, <laughs> Waterloo. Um, I really liked this movie. It was not one that I revisited that much and that I felt like that I was a huge fan of. Like when Mondo released a bunch of the wild Sally and stuff. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't jump for it. Like I didn't buy it. I didn't, I have you know, it. I was just I like, I was just like, yeah, like I, I like the movie, but whatever it is, but rewatching it, I was like, you know, like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I really hold dear. And there's a lot of I, I, there's a lot of absurdity, there's a lot of of camaraderie in this movie that's inherent to it that I, I just found delightful and I was pleasantly surprised revisiting this. I am terrified to watch the next one <laughs> and I am thrilled to watch the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited that we're doing this series and I you know, Alex Winter and Keanu can't beat it in this movie. They're, like, they're, like That is the uh, watermark for male friendship in movies. <laughs> That's right. All right, well. Bill, my friend. Yes, Ted, my friend. This has been a most excellent adventure. <laughs> well, we, uh, we've had a great time talking about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure tonight. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I definitely don't think I've seen the second movie. So I'm. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about Bill that. and Ted's bogus journey. Ooh boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm very interested uh, since, you know, yeah, we're a sequel podcast, so we're all about the sequel sequels, so very interested to see what's going to happen here. Uh, I mean, in the movie, when they say bogus, it's a bad thing, so I'm, uh, you know, and that makes sense, and so now I'm wondering if this is going to be like a, they're having a bad time in this movie as opposed to a good time and excellent adventure. Could be, it could be. Uh, well, anyway, let us know if you agree with our assessment or not, or what other franchises you want to see. Send us an email, sequelrights at gmail.com, or find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at sequelrights. And once again, please rate and review us uh, on Apple Podcasts. If not, just share it with your friends. Uh, share what sequels we might want to do in the future. Uh, because this is kind of a short one for us and we need suggestions. Put it on social media, put it in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. That's right, and we'll see you guys next week for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Catch you later, Bill and Ted!